is it not Tantlane? I think she took my weights. Uh, so um, it may sound as if I did not prepare. I just came and copied, and I'm now pasting. <laughs> Praise God. So um, Habakkuk 2, a well-known scripture uh, that some of us, I think, or all of us, we know. Habakkuk was a prophet of God. Um, and um, he, as a prophet of God, he was um, um, what we call a prayerful man or a watchman. So in verse 1 it says, I will stand upon my watch and set upon the tower. And then it says, I will watch to see what he will say unto me and when and what I shall answer when I'm reproved. Verse 2 says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tablets that they may run, that he may run who reads it. Verse 3 says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak it and not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Meaning it will not fail. Hallelujah. So, a vision is for an upliftment of people. The vision from God must be an upliftment to those that are downtrodden, to those that are hopeless, to those who are of faint-hearted. So he says, write it down so that he who reads it may be able to run with the vision. So we have a visionary and we have the vision runners. Hallelujah. He says, I will stand upon my watch. In other words, I will go to my prayer time. I will go to my prayer watch. And then he says, to hear what God will say to me. That is verse 1. He says, what will God say to me or reprove? And the Lord answered me and said to me, write the vision, make it plain upon the tablets that may run he who reads it. Hallelujah. So a vision is not an ambition. A vision is not something that you wake up in the morning and you say, no, I, I, my dream is to, is to be a billionaire, a trillionaire, whatever it is. Today, as we, we have so many people says, um, you know, I want my vision, it is to be a billionaire. And that person does not even have a business plan or a desire to start a business. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I mean, I grew up in the location. So uh, if you ask any person in Lokshini, you know, Funubayin says, I want to be a millionaire. And yet they are busy on the streets. Amen. And secondly, a vision is not something that you just cook up. You know, you wake up and then you decide that I'm cooking up. I want to start a church. I want to divide a church. You know, I'm going to start, split this church and I'm going to run my own church. And build a big church. 
No. It must come from God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So a vision is from God. And the purpose of the vision is to build lives. Is to transform lives. Hallelujah. And today we witness 17 years of a vision. 17 long years of a vision. Born of God. Transforming lives. Hallelujah. I mean, I, I, I was not born here, but I came and I joined. But those people that were, were going to school when they started. And today, you know, Pastor Antlanta said she's 40. <laughs> going up. And she has been here. Pastor Sarah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor Princess. Amen. And my brother there, Tabo. I, I did not know your name, but I've always known you. And uh, Pastor Alton. Atwell, yes. You know, when I, when I, when I joined here, he was still doing security. I, I, he was still doing security. Amen. So see the transformation that, see the impact of the vision. Today is a pastor. Let's give God a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. So a vision is what the Bible calls it a transformational agenda. A transformational system. A transformational vehicle. So through vision, people's lives are transformed. People's lives are changed. So if you want to grow in your life, if you want your life changed, join in and run with the vision. Amen? I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> um, I think these lights, they're designed to help me, So, but I'm moving out of, of line. I'm sorry. My apologies. Amen? So a vision, Bazalwani, it's, it's not meant... For one person. It's not meant for the visionary. But it's meant for those that are to run with it. Hallelujah. So in the days of Habakkuk. You know the city was guarded by a huge wall. And there was a watchman on the, on the tower. It used to be called a tower. So this watchman will stand in that tower. And he will watch whether, you know, from the distance, a visitor is coming or an enemy is coming. So when a person comes, the watchman will watch and just to identify whether it's a visitor or whether it's an enemy. So if it's an enemy, he will sound a siren to say soldiers must wake up and prepare themselves. If it's a visitor, you know, he'll also sound a different siren. To say, there's somebody coming, but it's a visitor. So Habakkuk says, I was, I was a watchman, or I'm a watchman, standing on my watch time and praying, inquiring from God. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do at this appointed hour? And the Bible says, that the Lord spoke to him and said, write the vision down, so that those 
who are to be affected by this vision. Those who are to be transformed by this vision can run with it. Hallelujah. So we can see the vision runners in this church that their lives were transformed. Their lives were metamorphosis. Hallelujah. You know, a butterfly does not wake up today being a butterfly. There's a, there's a, there's a process of transformation. Are we together? So it comes, I don't know what, I forgot how it starts, but. Uh, the what? <laughs> okay. No, they're shortening everything to say it ends up being a butterfly. But it goes through the process of metamorphosis. Amen? So it is metamorphosed through that process and it becomes a butterfly. That beautiful butterfly that we see. But at one time it was a lover. That ugly thing that we don't like. But it is being transformed. So the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 1 to 3. It says, be ye changed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind. So this vision must transform you. This vision must carry you from being a child into maturity. From being childish into maturity. Paul says, when I was a child, I thought and I spoke like a child. But when I matured, I began to speak like a matured and think like a matured person. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the vision is here to mature you. The vision is here to grow you up. You know, uh, Pastor Tanta spoke about an eagle and the process of change. That is so not so nice. That we don't like change. That change is difficult. That change is hard. Hallelujah. And I'm here to speak about that. Hallelujah. So I don't know what to entitle my message. So if you ask me, I don't know. Amen. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm one person that I don't know how to, to, to put titles on, the, on messages. So just preach the word of God. So if you want to call it change, it's fine. If you want to call it vision, it's fine. Whichever one, you know, will be okay for you. Amen. Hallelujah. But with this vision, for it to impact people's lives, it needs vision runners. It needs visionary runners. People that are going to stand behind the men of God. And we have them. Today we've got pastors. You know, Pastor Tio, when I came to this church, you know, you know, I, will, I always tell him that this man, you know, he is with his wife, Pastor Portia. They have been faithful. Actually, I met their daughter outside. I says, you have grown. She says, I'm old. I said, you are not old. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. They have been the most faithful, reliable people I have seen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, the man of God is surrounded by pastors, by leaders. However, we need to be aggressive 
we need to be aggressive for this vision to thrive for this vision to propel and move to the next phase amen we need to be aggressive as vision runners we need to be aggressive in our commitment in our faithfulness in our support to the men of God and the women of God in our departments that we are serving at whether be it finance be it outreach be it home sales be it administration be it pastoral be it Sunday school be it praise and worship we must be aggressive you see Pasolani, the the devil is not laid back Amen. Sin is aggressive. Curse is aggressive. Poverty is aggressive and it is destructive. Sickness is aggressive. And that's why we must be aggressive in our faith. Hallelujah. You know, I wrote a book called The Unbeatable Spirit of Faith. The Unbeatable Spirit of Faith. Unbeatable means indomitable. Those of you who like soccer, do you know uh, Cameroon? The indomitable lions, right? The unbeatable, the indomitable spirit of faith. You know, the, it is the spirit that does not know any retreat. Hallelujah. We don't retreat. And that is the spirit that David, as a young boy, at the age of 17, had. So, house of harvest is a David today. Hallelujah. So, we must be like him who was aggressive. When, 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 when Goliath was insulting the, you know, the, the Israelites, the Saul and his army, David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that stands to defile the armies of the living God? Who is this uncovenanted person? Who is this man without a covenant that is aggressive, that tends to play games with the people of God? So House of Harvest is a, is a child of God, is a covenant church that no devil must play around with it. But House of Harvest must be like a David at 17 years of age. And that says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Must be aggressive. Hallelujah. We will not allow this Goliath to come and intimidate us. Intimidate us. And you know, when Goliath will, will come out and says, who, who can challenge me? Bring out a man that can challenge me if I conquer him. You know, you will be our servant. If he conquers me, we will be your servants. And the, the man of Saul and Saul included will run and hide. But David, when he came, he says, I can't tolerate this man. I can't tolerate his insults. Hallelujah. So we must be aggressive in our faith. We must be aggressive in our planning. We must be aggressive in our commitment. Praise the Lord. So as visionary runners, 
or as vision runners, we must be aggressive in our giving and our tithing. Praise the Lord. You know, you can't tithe today and then next month you skip and then, you know, and then you are here today and tomorrow you are not here. Amen. Hallelujah. We must be aggressive in our commitment, in our support. Somebody says, yeah, well, I was hurt. That's why I quit serving. Well, I was hurt many times and I never quit. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I'm married now for uh, okay, I forgot. <laughs> my wife always says, how can you forget? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. I think it's 18 years or 19 years, somewhere there. Amen. <laughs> but in that, that span of marriage of 18 years, you know, my wife and I, we had hurt each other. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody married? Praise the Lord. My wife and I hurt each other. But I did not quit. We have not quit. And I've been a parent for 15 years. My son is 15. And in that 15 years, you know, we have argued with my son. You know, and you know, fought back also. But I've never quit. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you ask me how long have you been a Christian? Uh, from 1996, so you can count. I've been a Christian. Amen. And that's where I met my friend Kucho, uh, Mr. Mokamedi. You know, we're still very young then. We're going high school. And we've been friends since then. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I've been disappointed. But I never quit. So you can't say I was hurt. They gossiped me. And they did this and did that. This is what they said. And I'm quitting. Hallelujah. Praise God. You must be aggressive. Relentless. Now those that are educated, they say so. Relentless. I like English. When some people speak English in this manner, they're like, wow. It's a nice thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So we need to be aggressive. We need to be aggressive. Let's turn to Luke. Luke 14, verse 16 to 23. Luke 14. I went to music school and I did two years. Um, I've got grade two. And um, because I was not aggressive, I, can't, I still can't play. <laughs> so it's all head knowledge. I can't put it into practice. You know, because, you know, my music teachers will tell me, do this and do this. And I'll feel like, ah, I mean, you know, it's my time. I need to go home and study. I need to. And they said, you must practice at least an hour a day. 
So if you are not aggressive, you will be like me on the music part. Amen? So let's turn to Luke 14 verse 16. Luke 14. Verse number 16. It says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, or invited many, and sent his servant at the supper times to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Verse 18. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuses. Huh? It's a bad thing. In one consent, they all began to make excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of a ground. I must need to go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Verse 19. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I got to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Verse 20. Another said, I have married a wife. I therefore cannot come. Please excuse me. Verse 21. So that a servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes and the city and, and bring in hither to the poor and maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded. And yet there is room that has remained. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come that my house may be filled. Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come so that my house may be filled. Be aggressive. Compel them to come. By the way, this is Jesus speaking. You know, sometimes we like to say this is a parable. This is a story. No, this is not a story or a parable. This is Jesus talking. He says, in my house, I have prepared a supper. I have prepared the meal. I have prepared the food. Bring, go and invite people. And the servant said, there is still yet room enough for more people. We can say in the house, in, in house of harvest, there is still room for more people. There is still chairs that are empty for more people to come. And the Lord said to the servant, go into the highways, go into the lower ways and compel the people to come. We must be aggressive. Hallelujah. We must be aggressive in our evangelism program. We must be aggressive in our home cell programs to compel the people to come. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? We must be aggressive. Compelling church growth. Compelling financial growth. Compelling the prayer groups. Compelling the growth in our finances, in our cell groups, you know, in our evangelism programs, compelling the growth. 
we must not be satisfied with what we have. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I, we had a morning service, so I preached there in the morning, and I was telling them that I am, you know, the, the empty, empty, empty chairs disturb me. They don't, you know, they don't sit well with me. Every time I see empty chairs in the back, it's, it's not a, a sweet thing to swallow. Amen. So, I said to, to, to our leaders, I was saying, we need to, to be aggressive. Amen. We need to be aggressive. We need to be aggressive. Amen. You know, there are churches that grow and they expand when you hear the testimony, as Pastor Zuli was saying, when you hear their testimonies, I mean, the budget of 100 thousand, hundred thousand for a, a conference. I thought, wow. <laughs> Next looks, some of us looks like we are playing. Amen. But they are aggressive in their planning. They are aggressive in their programs. They are aggressive in their commitment. And that's why they have aggressive results. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we can do it. We have the manpower. We have the capacity to do it. We have the vision in place. The vision is written on the tablets. We have men that are going to run with the vision. The vision is there to impact souls. But we need to be aggressive in our planning. We need to be aggressive in our commitment. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I was talking to one young lady yesterday. Uh, actually, I was talking to her sister. I said, you know, some people, they come from family that sing. All of them, they sing. So in this family, all the five sisters, they sing so well. So I said to them, when are you going to release an album? She said, the, the book of Isaiah says, you know, when the time is right. I nearly slept. I said, which time? The Bible says that when the time is right. I said, quote me the scripture. Amen. You know, we, we misquote scriptures. When the time is right. And which time is that? When Jesus comes. Rodney Hartbrand says, you know, when a person says, God will do it. <laughs> and then he says, hey, God is looking down at you and says, hey, when? So God is asking the same question, when? Amen? When the time is... And we, are, we use this as excuses. These people were invited. And this one after another, with the same consent, they gave excuses. I bought a land. I must go and see it. Do you need to see a land? I mean, when you bought it, didn't you see it? I married a wife. I need to spend her. I bought oxen. Excuses. Amen. 
Hallelujah. One of the excuses that, you know, people give when they, they don't attend church services is that, no, I'm busy. I am a business person, you know. I work overtime. You know, business must grow. The first billionaire in America, David Rockefeller. You know the, you know the name Rockefeller. He was an usher in the church. An usher. Never missed a service. Amen. And because he was the first billionaire, they had, you know, the government did not understand. So they thought, how can one man have so much money? So they had to split his companies. Because it was illegal or it was not a norm for one person to be a billionaire. In their but he was an usher. Sunday in and Sunday out. Always at church. So what kind of businessman are you that you always miss church in the name of a business? Are you a billionaire yet? When Rockefeller was a billionaire and he was an usher. David says, I'd rather be an usher in the house of the Lord than to be a program director in the house of sinners. I don't, I will not understand and I don't understand and I will never understand people that miss church services. Whatever reason. Whatever, if it's funeral, I don't attend funerals on Sunday. Amen. So tell your family, Sunday is for the house of the Lord. If you want to bury on Sunday, count me out. I am going to church. There's one of our leaders, you know, he told his family. I thought, this is a good thing. He says, I told them, I don't attend funerals. So if you want to do funerals on Sundays, I'm not there. Talk about me all you want. I'm not coming. I'm going to church. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we must be aggressive when it comes to the things of God. We must be aggressive in our commitment. We must be aggressive in our commitment. All kinds of excuses, they will not qualify us. They will not, they will not hold water. Amen. You know, one young man came to our church and then, you know, he did not know how to play keys that well. So when you start a song, he will still looking for a key, you know. And then he will look for it until the song ends. He's still looking for a key. So I, I took our, a small keyboard and I gave him. I said, go and practice. Every time he didn't, I said, no, that's an excuse. So up until he caught, he says, no, I know you are going to say it's an excuse. So I'm not going to say it. But excuses are deadly. They are dangerous. Amen? They are what? Dangerous. The only reason we can't commit to any certain thing that we are required to commit to is excuses. If you ask me why I don't know how to play, I will give you an excuse. It's not a reason. Amen? It's not a... It's an excuse. We can grow this ministry. The chairs can be filled. Amen? And I'm, I'm looking forward to next year, the 18th birthday. And I believe God that 
that 100,000 will be the budget. Hallelujah. But that will take an aggressive planning. Hallelujah. Will take an aggressive planning. Strategic hard work. You know, one of the things that as a church we need to learn to employ is possibility thinking. That this thing is possible. This thing is doable. You know, the Bible says, Jesus says, with man, this is, is, this is impossible. But not with God. With God, all things are possible. And then he continues to say, all things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible to him that believeth. So we are believers. Say, I'm a believer. Say it again. Say, I'm a believer. And all things are possible with me. Hallelujah. I am a believer. And that means all things are possible to me. All things are possible to him that believes. When they tell you that this cannot be done, tell them this is possible. Amen. When they tell you this cannot be done, it has never been done, it says, I will be the first to do it. So we need to explore the possibility thinking. The new creation is a possibilitarian, if there is such a word. You know, Benson Idahosa was called, you know, a possibilitarian. The man would wake up and go and look for dead people. And then he will knock house to house. Is anybody dead? Anybody dead? No, no one died here. He will go next door. Until, you know, in, from the morning. Until midday. That's when he found somebody died in the house. A small child. And says, don't worry. She must be resurrected today. Now, that doesn't look like somebody who is, you know, hoping. You, you, you look for dead people house to house asking anybody dead you must know your story amen hallelujah so in our planning we must be aggressive we must explore the possibility thinking the creative thinking how can we grow the numbers how can we grow the finances? How can we grow this area, the Sunday school? How can we grow this department and that department? When they say it's impossible, just tell them, no, it's possible. It's doable. It's possible. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, we recently bought sound equipment, you know, and uh, we bought the, the projector and, and uh, the snake cables. They were saying, no, uh, we, 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 you know, you know when somebody wants to say something uh, we you know we, we, I said we are going to do it and we have done it amen we have done it and we are, we are continuing to do things hallelujah praise the Lord so as, as leaders as church members you know as all the structures in this ministry Let's explore the possibility thinking. Let's be aggressive in our giving.
let's be aggressive in our tithing. You know, one lady in our church, she, she was sharing a testimony. She said she began to increase her tithing and the devil began to attack her. And it was so bad that she thought of regressing to say, no, I, maybe I should go back to my normal amount. Amen. You know, car accidents started and all this and that, children, this and that. And she said, I, I stood my ground. I stood my ground. Being aggressive. Hallelujah. Let's stand behind the man of God and the woman of God. And let's be aggressive in doing so. Let's, be ag let's not be sloppy. You know, let's be aggressive. Let's explore that possibility thinking. Let's explore the creative thinking. As a leader, you know, you can't be always, always, you know, you are bringing up, there's a problem. Pastor, there's a problem. No, solve it. Solve it. Come and report that there was a problem. I solved it. Amen. That's what leaders are for. I tell, I, I told them, I said, no, Mr. Machete is here. No, you know, come and report that there was a problem. We dealt with it. Amen. What kind of a leader? You always want to come and report. Hey, there's a problem. What is your job? Amen. Read Acts 6. Ne? Acts 6. You know, there were squabbles in the church. Acts 6. When they chose Stephen, Philip, and, and the other five, that their names keep, you know, we keep forgetting. Yeah? We only remember Philip and, and Stephen. The reason why they chose the seven deacons is because there were problems. There was a squabble between the, you know, the, the Greek Christians and the, and the Hebrew Christians regarding food. Food. food you know, it's the, the food, what? What is it? Scheme. What is food scheme? Right? So the apostle says, no, we don't, we, we can't bother ourselves with these things. Choose among yourself credible men, men of honest reputation that we can assign to the, the, the ministry of tables. It uses the word tables. The ministry of tables. And we will focus on the ministry of the word and prayer. And the Bible says when they chose these men, the church grew. And even the, you know, the priests who were against the church, they were converted. They got saved. Why? These deacons were solving the problems. Hallelujah. They were doing what? Solving the problems. You know, when we need to pay people, I don't, I'm, I must pay, I said, you pay them. No, pastor, the money said it's not clear. I said, no, 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 make it clear. Amen. Hallelujah. No, it takes three days. No, no, it must not take three days. It must be quick. I need the staff. So we need to solve problems. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We must not report problems. We must report solutions. I have solved it. It is solved. There was someone in the church who was doing this or in the home cell who was doing this and this and this. Don't worry, I solved it. How did you solve it? No, I did one, two, three. Ah, perfect. 
Amen. Those are what? Leaders. Vision runners. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Somebody in the church was sick and uh, you know they called or somebody in the home cell was sick. I went and prayed for them. They are fine. It's a good report. I did not see this person for a while in the home cell and I went and follow up and they are back. It's a good report. Hallelujah. So as church leaders, as church members, we must run with the vision. We must carry the load. You know, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says to Timothy, bring John Mark with you because he is good for the work of the ministry. And he uses the word, he is profitable. He says, bring John Mark. Bring him when you come. He says, he's of good service. He comforts me for the work of the ministry. So as a church leader, you must bring comfort to the men and the women of God. You must be of help. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now I want us to pray for ourselves. You pray for yourself. As a church member, as a church leader, that God, I've heard your word. That from now on, I'll be aggressive in my tithing. I'll be aggressive in my giving. I'll be aggressive in my commitment. I'll be aggressive in my church attendance. I'll be aggressive in with running with the vision. Come on, open your mouth and begin to pray. In the name of Jesus. Come on, open your mouth and begin to speak to the Lord. Make a new commitment in the name of Jesus. That will be aggressive. That will not be pushed. That will not give excuses. In the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, speak to the Lord. That Lord, I'm aggressive. I make a new commitment today. In the name of Jesus. That I'm a 